撤侨这个消息是在飞机要来的，应该是前一天知道，当下也没有想说要回去。When the lockdown happened, it posed a real problem for people from Wuhan who are in relationships with foreign nationals. That's what happened with Wang Zi, a Chinese woman who had only just met and started dating Liu Ting, who is Taiwanese. As the extent of the problem in Wuhan began to be known, Taiwan sent a plane to evacuate all its nationals from the city. But Wang Zi and Liu Ting were in love, so Liu Ting made the extraordinary decision to stay behind in Wuhan, this poisoned city, to be locked down with the woman she loved. We learned about this couple from a report in the South China Morning Post. Wuhan, of course, is the city in China which was the original coronavirus hot zone. Wuhan was the first place in the world to be locked down at the end of January, and only now, after two months, authorities are beginning to ease some restrictions. It's already clear that the coronavirus pandemic is going to take an enormous toll on human relationships. It will require sacrifices. Like the one Liu Ting made when she gave up the chance to escape the epicenter of the virus for love. For many of us, it will involve loss, but through creativity, imagination, and resilience, we may yet find our way through this with our relationships intact, perhaps even strengthened. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger, the Daily Maverick podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the stories. In this episode, we're looking at love in the time of Corona. What it feels like to be separated from those you love, and the ways people are finding to deal with being apart, and we'll hear from a couple who have survived a situation together far more intense than a 21-day lockdown at home. I'm Rebecca Davis. Let us pray, Father God. I am a child of God. What I am not is a homeschool teacher, God. I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. Father God, I am your humble servant. What I am not is a math teacher, God. Lord God, the spirit of Common Core has attacked our household, and right now, the only thing we have in common is frustration and no answer to the math problem. Lord God, I ask that you send down your angels of the carryover, Lord Teacher, that if you carry the one over to the tenth place, you can get the answer, Lord God. Lord God, I am a layman in your. The closure of schools all over the world has seen parents in lockdown situations turned into home educators, and if the inter Internet is to be believed. Many are already taking strain. In normal situations, many parents who need a bit of a timeout from energetic kids can call on grandparents to share childcare. That is absolutely not the case in the coronavirus lockdown, where it's considered particularly necessary to keep elderly people separate from younger populations due to their increased susceptibility to the virus. So we're dealing with a situation where, unless multiple generations live under one roof. Grandparents and grandchildren are being kept apart, and this is the case with Hanley and Sonia, a married couple living in Fishhook in the Western Cape. I should mention, by the way, that podcasting during a pandemic comes with certain difficulties. One is that you don't get to talk to people in gorgeous soundproof studios. Instead, you speak to them from their homes, where the audio isn't always as crystal clear as we'd like. Anyway, here's Sonia. 
Okay, yes. Well, since we've been married for only a few months, getting all the logistics figured out was a bit of a challenge, but we have successfully done that. So we are in lockdown completely um, in our house. My mother also stays with us. I'm allowed to travel because I form part of essential services. And although we didn't do any stockpiling of food or anything, we have made sufficient provision and we're taking it day by day and just being very careful and obviously not allowing any visitors here or not visiting anyone else according to all the national regulations. It was necessary for Hanley and Sonia to begin isolating for some time before the current lockdown because of Hanley's health situation. I'm in a bit of a, also a precarious or a weird position because I suffer from motor neuron disease. It was diagnosed last year. And even though I am still healthy and leading a pretty normal life, I am part of the vulnerable group of people who should be extra careful not to have any social contact. So for the past week or two already, I've really tried my best to to stay at home and not to have any social contact. So it's been quite challenging for a while for us. And one of the greatest challenges of the lockdown is that Hanli and Sonia cannot see their two-and-a-half-year-old grandchild, Lorelai, who lives with Sonia's children in a neighbouring suburb. She's at that age now where she's starting to to speak in a way that you can actually understand and a sense of humour and the sensibilities are just so, so cute. Once I told her that I was going to pick up Sonia from the airport and she looked at me in a really quizzical way and she said, no, you can't pick her up, she's too heavy. So she, you know, she has all those kind of wisecracks that really lighten our lives. The question of how to talk to young children about the pandemic has been discussed at length because it's difficult to know how best to explain to kids why their lives have suddenly been upended so completely without totally freaking them out. One of our colleagues at Daily Maverick told us that her four-year-old keeps asking when coronavirus is coming. She thinks it's like Santa Claus because the family is on holiday. Lorelai's parents opted for a fairly direct approach. Well, her parents sat her down. She's a very sensible and knowledgeable little girl for two and a half years old. I'm quite amazed. But her parents sat her down and told her about the virus and the germs in the world. They said that the world is very sick with the germs outside there and everyone must stay in their homes so that the world can get well again. And that's the only way that the world can get well is if everyone stays in their homes for a while. Sonia and Hanli wanted to devise something that would serve as a way of reassuring Lorelai that her grandparents were still thinking of her during the lockdown period and also give her something to do every day. What they came up with was a daily activity book, which they completed in the nick of time before lockdown began. And to explain the concept, the book begins with a letter to Lorelai. Our dearest Lorelai, Mommy and Daddy have explained to you that the whole world is a little bit sick right now and that we must all stay at home so that the germs can die and not make us sick. This is called lockdown time and everyone in the country must just stay in their own house. We will miss you not coming to visit us or us visiting you for the next 21 days. You are two and a half years old now and we know that you're growing taller and learning so many new things every day. It's sad for us not to see you grow, but that doesn't stop us being part of it. That is why we've made this little activity book, so that we can share every day with you. 
Mommy and Daddy will help you to do an activity every day and on the last day of this book. It means that the lockdown time is finished and we can see each other again. This is so exciting. We hope you enjoy the activities as much as we enjoyed making this little book for you. We love you very, very much. Granny, Honey, Gigi and Shay. Shay is the dog. We spoke to Hanley and Sonia on the second day of lockdown and it sounded like Lorelai was already taking to the activity book with great delight. She had completed a complex drawing of her hand. The results apparently were quite messy but still enjoyed by all. And Hanley and Sonia's book has an activity prepared for Lorelai for every day of the South African lockdown. There are pirates to assist in completing adventures. There are tennis balls to colour in for Serena Williams. Honestly, there have been times since lockdown started when I, a 38-year-old adult, have longed for an activity book like Lorelei's. But at the risk of sounding like a Grinch, I did have one concern. What if the South African lockdown goes on for more than 21 days? What happens to Lorelei's book then? Well, if that should happen, we've got that figured out, of course. <laughs> then we will do another set of appropriate activities for, for the necessary days and we'll email it to the kids. So Laura and I will still have activities to do because, I mean, it would be absolutely horrendous if, if it had to come to an end and she can't see us and she hasn't got any more activities. So we'd just email it to the kids and they'd print it at home and put it into a little book form for her. As you can hear, Sonia and Hanley have everything figured out. In fact, I'm starting to think they should be drafted onto the National Coronavirus Command Team. But of course, like all of us, they are desperately hoping that the lockdown will not extend beyond 21 days, beyond the current end date of 16th April. And as things stand, their book for the granddaughter ends on that date with another letter. So the last page in the book, it's dated 16 April, day 21 of lockdown says, our dearest Lorelai, you have been such a good girl during this lockdown time. Tonight is the last night of lockdown and Mr. President will allow us to go out of our homes tomorrow. Today you can make a list of everything you would like to do in the next few days, like visit Granny, Honey, Gigi and Shay, maybe go to the play area with a slide or walk on the beach. And then we've left some spaces for her to fill in the rest of the list. And then just, we have missed you very, very much. You're listening to Don't Shoot the Messenger. We'll be right back. This podcast and much of Daily Maverick's work is made possible by Daily Maverick Insiders, our community of readers who provide us with hugely appreciated monthly support. You can find details on the Insider program and the benefits available through it on the Daily Maverick's website. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. 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 You've probably seen that clip by now, where a man preparing for coronavirus lockdown is adamant that he will choose any option, anything at all, other than being isolated in his home with his wife and kids. This is very much the narrative doing the rounds, that relationships are going to take major strain during this lockdown. A term has even been coined for the potential outcome. COVID divorce. One word. The online chatter about this is generally light-hearted, but there is a much more serious possibility underlying it that in South Africa, as elsewhere, rates of domestic violence might spike during the lockdown. One study from the Chinese lockdown suggested that domestic abuse tripled in that country over the period. 
South African authorities have said they are very much aware of this possibility, and they've set up a number of dedicated hotlines for people to call if they need help during lockdown. You can find these numbers in this episode's show notes, and please share them with anyone who might need them. But even for couples for whom things hopefully will not tip into violence, there does seem to be a degree of general anxiety about the pressure of maintaining a romantic relationship under lockdown conditions. And that got us thinking. We wanted to speak to a couple who had been through something similar in the past. Just the two of them in a confined space with nowhere to go at the mercy of terrifying forces much more powerful than themselves. I think the wheels fell apart probably a month into the row. I think on the first one, and I'll maybe just kick off with the first example of um, what I thought was a big low was... um, we had been just been capsized the one morning. It was um, early, early morning. We had just started rowing and we had been capsized. The boat totally turned over, me being thrown out of the boat. The surf was big. Fusty was trapped underneath the boat and it was shocking for both of us. But the first time on our journey that we realized that we could die and almost on a daily basis. So we were both shocked. And then I think just um, after that, we began to be very, very impatient with each other. That's Rian Mansa, who together with his wife Fusty, has undertaken challenges which make the 21-day lockdown look like a piece of cake. In particular, in 2015, Rian and Fusty became the first two people to row from the African continent to North America. Just the two of them, only the supplies they could carry, in a tiny boat for almost six months. Here's Fusty. We spoke about it and it came out that before we left on that first rowing trip, I thought there was a real possibility that Rian and I would not be together after the rowing trip. And Rian was shocked because he didn't even think about that. Maybe he had too many other things to think about. But I thought that there was a possibility being stuck with another person on that boat for so long that we're not going to make it. Rian and Fusty had to deal with many threats along the way. Shark attacks, getting the boat stuck in a mangrove swamp, getting run over by a 250-meter oil tanker. But they say their worst fight came after the capsize you heard Rian describing earlier, which damaged their only way of contacting the outside world, their satellite phone, beyond repair. So they're stuck in a cabin too small for two people to be in at one time. And both of them think they have great ideas of how they can fix the satellite phone. (laughs) We were stuck in that small cabin and... It was a minor thing, actually. I was sitting, the cabin's too small for two people to really be able to work in there. So I thought I was being kind, saying to Fusty, listen, sit outside, just relax, don't worry. I'm going to give this electronics a real good, honest go to try and repair it. And I remember sitting in the cabin and then she just flung the door open and she was screaming and saying to me, why do I think that I can just be the one to do the repairs of the electronics? And why should I be the one always doing those man things? Why can't she try? And I had no inkling that it actually had got to that um, level of tension. Yes. And then, yeah, we, we ended up not speaking to each other for two and a half days, which would in that situation is an eternity. It's longer than these 21 days when you really can't get away from each other. Yeah, and that was what really, it it really broke our relationship on that boat, I think. I actually thought I had misheard, or I hoped anyway, two and a half days of not speaking to each other in a boat smaller than many people's bedrooms. 
Oh, come on, Rebecca, you sound surprised. <laughs> Two and a half days. I think most couples do that, don't they? The truth of it is that um, we did actually get by by just the odd nod and the 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 moan or the groan. The, when Fusty used to say to me she, with the coffee in the mornings, then she'd still make me the coffee, but she would bump the container against my knee and just not even look me in the eye and just wait for my nod. And then I would nod and that would mean, yes, I'd have coffee. But we sort of got by. Um, when we went past each other going to the loo, one person would have to stay inside the cabin, one person would have to go out. And it was also just that grabbing hold of the bucket sort of glancing in the direction of the other person, but not making eye contact. And then the other person would go, mm -mm, that meant you weren't going to the loo. And then the other person could. There were many examples where we just navigated past each other. Yeah, we had a routine. So you just do your routine and then you know what you had to do. And then you do it, but you just don't speak to each other. They got over it eventually, they say, because they were just so desperate for someone to talk to. Who knows? You just wanted somebody to speak to you out there alone. And because they couldn't go anywhere, they had no option but to sit and talk it out. It's a situation not that different to lockdown. Except in lockdown, of course, most of us have the luxury of distractions like phones and TV. If people prepared adequately, they might even have alcohol to take the edge off their troubles. Something Rian and Fasti didn't have until almost the end of their trip from Africa to North America. I mean, the New York trip took us six months, so there was without any any form of alcohol, any wine. So first in I land in a little island called San Salvador. It's in Bahamas, where Christopher Columbus landed. We're pretty impressed that we made it to land now. We essentially have crossed the, the North Atlantic, but we bump into the owner of the or the, the manager of the um, Club Med. I can't believe a Club Med's on this tiny little island. They invite us to sleep over the night. We do. Fast and I sitting at dinner that they're obviously sponsoring and we're starting to wrap in our napkins, starting to wrap little hot chocolates and um, little bags of sugar and teas and we're hoping to make an exit and there the general manager sits down with his head chef and they say, listen, what would you guys like? Is there anything you guys would like? Now we're sweating because we think they've seen us wrapping all these little hot chocolates and things <laughs> in the napkins and um I say, no, nothing really. You know, we're near Miami. We've probably just got another 800 miles. Really, thanks so much for letting us stay. It's okay. The following morning, as we're pushing away from the harbor wall, the Club Med truck arrives. And here they've got four or five people helping us load stock. It's olive oil and it is fresh sliced meats and cheeses and things we would never have been able to afford, essentially. And then the one guy leans over and it's a little bit about a meter that he has to lower the stuff down to us. And it's a case of red wine. I put my hand against the red wine and I pushed it back <laughs> up and I said, um, no, no, we won't be having that on the boat. But very politely, Fusty smacked my hand so hard and she said, no, 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 she'll take that. And that was the story of how much alcohol we had on the boat, six bottles of red wine. I think it goes without saying that Rian and Fusty are feeling a lot more chilled about South Africa's 21-day lockdown than many other couples. We asked them if they had any words of wisdom for those already chafing in captivity. Keep yourself busy, for goodness sake. Stop making the other person in your household responsible for how you keep your mind and your body active. Find solutions yourself. We're in such a world where we expect Google or, or Facebook to give us all those solutions. Sit for a moment. You've got chance now to actually have clarity of thought and you have no interruption in working out what's important for you. Don't make 
the problem of your boredom to other people in the household. Take that responsibility for yourself. I would say just rushing the booze. <laughs> this is important. You have priorities, I guess. Don't Shoot the Messenger is a podcast brought to you by The Daily Maverick. This episode was produced by Haji Mohamed Dauji with sound engineering, editing and support by Bernard Kotzer, Tevya Shapiro and Catherine Kotzer. You can listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on the Daily Maverick's website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. For more, subscribe to the Daily Maverick's newsletters and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.